Hello and welcome to Rewind the Movies, the retro podcast that looks back at the films you watched growing up. And this week it's Lethal Weapon, the 1987 American buddy cop action film directed by Richard Donner and produced by Joel Silver. Starring Mel Gibson as Riggs, a former Green Beret who has become suicidal following the death of his wife, and Danny Glover who plays Murtar, a 50-year-old veteran of the force who is just longing for retirement. Paired together as an unlikely partnership, they have to solve the murder of a young girl and locate her killers. Buddy cop films really came to the forefront in the 80s and this is probably right up there as one of the best. But it's almost 35 years since its release, so does it still stand up? The question we always ask on the podcast and is it still enjoyable? It's a bit of a change this week because there's four of us on the podcast. There's myself, Andrew Owen, there's James Brogodich, aka Prog, Evan Quick and we're joined by... Adam Cluellen, who you will know from previous episodes as the creator of The Veil Cartoon. Anyway, here's the episode. What are you at? Are you co-writer? No, creator? He's the visionary. Visionary of, of The Veil. Um, what are your handles on, on various things? Veil Cartoon, I think most of them are, aren't they? Yep, The Veil Cartoon. That's yeah. right. So check it out on YouTube, where you find the episodes. Um, all on social media, Twitter, Instagram... Facebook and all that malarkey. Yep. So whenever you come over to our channel, make sure you check them out as well. Um, for those of you who don't know as well, um, Prog, he's a co-writer on the series. So yeah, check it out. It all helps. Um, but it's great to have you on that. I'll start with a little bit of a story, but many, many, I say moons ago, it wasn't that bloody long, it was about a year ago. We, we looked at starting Rewind the Movies and Adam was originally in with us. Um, and we did an episode, and I think it lasted about two hours. <laughs> and, and we knew we had to go back to the drawing board as regards to um, some sort of structure. Um, if you remember, it was under siege. And, um, yeah, I thought, how the hell am I going to edit that every time? <laughs> how, we, how we kept it under six hours, I'll never know. So much to <laughs> talk about with that one. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, this week's episode is um, Lethal Weapon. Um, and I'll start with my memory because we haven't long done Beverly Hills Cop. And in that um, episode, I said that I had a memory of owning a VHS um, recorded from TV. Uh, one of them was Lethal Weapon with a, um, another film on long play, so to speak, of Beverly Hills Cop 2. And then it was reverse on another um, one that I had, again, recorded from TV. So I probably grew up. Um, having loads of it edited out and not knowing uh, a big chunk of it. But growing up, I loved this film. Um, this and Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2, I would go back and forth. Um, the Lethal Weapon films, they, they're definitely, they, they do sort of merge into each other for me. They're, they're that type of film. But the 80s loved a buddy cop film, didn't they? But oh, yeah. you, you could argue it was off the back of this. I know you had 48 hours mm. before this that came out before Lethal Weapon, but you could say Lethal Weapon took Buddy Cop movies into the stratosphere, didn't it? Well, what year was this? Remind me. I haven't got it in my notes. 87. 87. Okay. Ooh. Go on then, Ad. You, you guessed on this week. <laughs> What's your memories of it? Well, my first memory of Lethal Weapon, like Lethal Weapon is like one of my um, oldest film memories, actually, which is why I was quite happy Prog asked me on you. The first one I watched, that was number two. Um, in my house back in the day, we had a very, my, my parents had a very small VHS collection. And for, they had, uh, uh, what was it? Um, uh, U2, uh, Battle and Hum, is it? That old live VHS and Lethal Weapon 2 on video. And it was like also the first 18 I ever watched as well. And uh, number one, was there was a trailer on number two's videotape for number one, and I always wanted to see number one. I didn't see it till many years later, when I finally a, a friend of mine had it on video and brought it into school. Do you and remember how old you were when you watched number one? I probably about like eight, eight or nine. Pretty too young to watch Lethal Weapon, but uh, you know I used to watch Eighteens all the time when I was younger. So you, so you watched Lethal Weapon two when you were about six or seven. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I just, I just, I. I just used to like anything with like cops and guns. At the time, there was a Sega game uh, called Lethal Enforcers I used to play all the time with my brother. And I think that was kind of molded off Lethal Weapon. If you see, if you pull up a video game cover of Lethal Enforcers, you'll just see that it's a Lethal Weapon knockoff there. 
Yeah, but I yeah, remember it's... Lethal Enforcers. It's, no. uh... Ah, you've just got his computer game. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it. With. <laughs> it's, it's a Genesis, oh, not Genesis, but a Mega Drive game, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah Weirdly, though, when I was rewatching this, I've seen, I've watched this film most times over the year. I love the first people weapon, but when I was rewatching it again, when I watch it again now, I remember every scene from the trailer that used to be on the number two videotape. Like, I just remember, like, it's the scene where he's running down the street with a, well, he's running down the street with a machine gun. And uh, the bit when in the pool, but, and they find that dead. But I can just, whenever I watch the film, I just always remember those two bits in the trailer. I don't know why. Just a really weird thing. Yeah. What about you, Emprog? I, I can't remember the first time I watched it. I know I watched this one before number two or number three, but can't couldn't tell you when I watched it. I, probably early teens, maybe. Well, not even that, maybe 12, 13. I, I did, I definitely, this is, this isn't one of the first 18 films I watched. I know that much. But uh, when I did watch it, I did enjoy it a lot. Ev? Probably the same, really. I think I didn't, I, I didn't watch this until sort of early teens, um, sort of 13, 13 14. Um, so you, you, but, you and Nan didn't own this with um, Fish oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. This was this wasn't in a brown leather video library um, collection. No, um, I think it was a bit too risky for me for me, Grandma. To be honest, watching it back yesterday, that I I didn't realise that they they rub salt in the wounds of um of uh, Danny Glover when he, when he get, because that wasn't that was never on the the copy that I watched. So you had a copy, you taped it off TV. Yeah. Why would they? I wonder why they would cut the salt out. It's not, it's not the worst thing, is it? No. Yeah, definitely more the torture element. Mm. Maybe. I wonder if the um, electroshock or the neck break was cut down a bit as well on the TV version. Oh, I distinctly remember the electroshock. It was in there, but it was it was severely cut. It wasn't as long in the version I saw last night. I remember it as well because it has the the go-to Chinese guy for every 80s film. Yep. Uh, so the, the guy who's got the meat cleavers in um, Big, oh, Trouble. Big Trouble in Little China, and he's in Die Hard as well, isn't he? Yeah. I think his name is Al Albert Leong. Oh, I, <laughs> I would have loved it if you'd said, like, oh, I think his name's Dave Jones. <laughs> <laughs> David Lewis's name is. <laughs> but yeah, he, he just seemed to be the go-to Chinese villain, yeah. but maybe because he's quite distinctive as well, so, you know. And also maybe because he's a good actor. Well, yeah, of course. I, I do think, though, this is like a typical 80s film because it starts, right, and it's straight in there with drugs, boobs, and death. Instant boobage. As soon as that film starts up, you get some boobs. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask a question. I was gonna ask, do you think that opening scene is the most eighties opening scene? It's definitely up there. Yeah. I have seen. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I, I love a lot of like um, cheap, cheap and nasty like eighties films, and I've seen shots like that ripped off so many times, like the lying down with a window open, silk robe blown in the wind, sort of thing. It's just it, it, revealing uh, an areola. Oh, yeah, it's just been done to death. It's, but, it's, but in this is awesome because it's the first time they did it, right? And uh, yeah, what an opening to a film. But it's not just that; it's the it's the font of the of the credits. That it's, <laughs> yeah. it's almost like it's almost like Miami Vice. It's just like I, I love though. As soon as it cuts over the um uh, the opening, you know, Jingle Bell Rock song, it just slams into that like Michael Kamen, Eric Clapton score. Like that is, I I watched this last night with my headphones. I put my headphones on when I watch films late at night. And then um, the soundtrack through the headphones is incredible. <laughs> it was like ah, it... The, the soundtrack to this is brilliant, I thought. I, mm. I did exactly the same thing. I sat there watching it, just thinking, ah, could you get any more 80s? This is brilliant. Yeah. I, I, I do have a slight issue with the soundtrack. I, I like it on the whole, but I do think some of the saxophone parts are misplaced. <laughs> I, I've got a note about the saxophone because it's... <laughs> It indicates like a change, doesn't it, in tone or, or something? Right. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this to you now, right? The saxophone, when I hear it in movies, I associate it with sex scenes or something sexual or sexual tension. 
romance, even that type of thing, right? So maybe it's just something that I've sort of... Maybe it's the type of films that you watch on a regular basis. <laughs> well, no, no, you know, back in the day now, uh, nine and a half weeks and all that. But because I've got that association, when Murtoch is about to go out to work and his daughter comes down the stairs in the dress and he says, God damn heartbreaker, and the saxophone goes off like, <laughs> I was a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> Different time, man. It was a different time. I, yeah. I, I, I love it. I, 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 yeah. It made me laugh about four or five times when they used it. Yeah. No, I will. I will give it that. I did have a smile on my face because obviously I took it in in that way. But that's not how it was originally intended, was it? Even though this is an action comedy, could call it. But I suppose there's more comedy now than they intended, isn't it? <laughs> I love the saxophone in the film. I think it's, I can see, no, sorry, I can see what you mean, but uh, I would never take it. I would put more in. If I was to do a recut of the people weapon, everything would have the fucking saxophone over it. All of it would. <laughs> when this film started um, and you meet Riggs, uh, um, yeah, Riggs for the first time, um, do you know his trailer? And he's yeah. like naked in the trailer and the dog's in there. First thing I thought of loaded weapon. National Lampoon. Yes, I wrote, good I wrote, show. I wrote that yeah. on my notes. I, that's all I could think about as well as when he goes to the giant Yeah, in that um, film, you, you meet the Riggs character. He goes into his trailer, and when he's inside, it's a mansion. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's all I could think of. And then it turned to the point where he, he, you know, he wakes up, he's clearly hungover or whatever, and then one of the first things he does is have a fag and... Um, calls. Yeah, yeah calls and has some alcohol. And you're like, whoa. I, I can't believe we're hitting on all the uh, the the picking nits that I was gonna bring up later, but this is this is another one for me, and it's it's not particularly this film, but it's a whole slew of films and more ever more increasing to today's films, whereby someone is on the verge of alcoholism, constantly smoking fags, as the shittest diet you've ever seen, yet is rocking a six pack. Yeah, but Riggs is amazing, man. Like he can he can wake up and smash on a cause and have a fag and be okay. Hang on, no, right? You know for a fact, because his wife's been dead three years in that film, right? So you know his diet or lifestyle has been like that since she died. So he's had a lifestyle like that for three years. There's no way he would be. I can believe he'd be in that shape before she died. There's no way he's still in that shape now. Anyway, let's continue. Maybe like um, exercise was his first vice after his wife died, and and he's only just turned the corner with um. Tony, well now he's completely lost it because he's got the booze. <laughs> and that's why they they they're worried about him. Before we go into any more sort of like yeah picking nets and things, let's start think um, thinking about favorite aspect. Does anyone want to go first? I'll go first because it's blatantly obvious. And it's Mel Gibson and Danny Glover's chemistry as Murdoch and Ritz. Yeah. I don't think if you would cast anyone else in these roles, I don't think it would have been the same. I know I can I can believe that Shane Black wrote a really good script, and he was one of the other points I wrote down because I'm a fan of Shane Black and his writing. And I can believe he wrote the script in a way that these characters would have worked regardless who was playing the parts. But I do think, you know, they, they found gold when they got these two in there. What if it was Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger, though? Would it be better there? No, because I think there would have been a competition between them. No, I only say that because Joel Silver made it and, like, he just made loads of the army yeah. films back in the day. So, you know, but no, I agree. I, I completely agree. It's one of my, my favourite aspects as well. You know, the, 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 the buddy cop and they, they've got the chemistry right. The only thing that I've gotten is one of my changes. I do think at the very beginning, the characters are, are, are like really over the top. Yeah. Um, and I, I get why they're like that. Murtoch's character, for example, he's just really over the top as regards to not trusting Riggs. And and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I've never picked up on it before, but I picked up on it this time watching it. But that's, again, maybe that's because I'm just looking for something. I know what you mean with that that scene in the police station 
where Murdoch first is introduced to Riggs. But that's a plot device. That's, that's an interesting way for their characters to meet. In reality, there's no way Murdoch would have flipped his lid just because someone was pulling a gun out in the middle of a police station and someone had just shown him there. They would have, they would have known automatically he's a copper and he's Murdoch's you know, uh, new partner. But it's just an interesting way to introduce them, isn't it? Yeah, the other scene for me was the scene just after he had jumped and he takes him into that sort of like building that's being renovated and he just sort of flies off the handle with him. And I think from from that point then, they mellow. And But that's obviously the point in the film where they start becoming you know, proper partners. So, so I mm. get that yeah. it, it, it settles down after that. I know, yeah, it is a bit OTT, but like, Obviously, you need the bit where Riggs is willing to blow his brains out in there because you need to show how much of a he just doesn't care, how reckless he is. You kind of need that, I'd say. Uh, but you know, I, I completely agree. He does. It is just like he's a bit unnecessarily mad at him, even though he just got that guy off the roof. Yeah, I know. I control the jump, man. What more do you want? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's class, and he Gibson is class. He's yeah, a, he's really good such man. a good actor. Off screen, you know, you can say what you want about him. I'm not going to go there, but on screen, he is a brilliant. He's magnetic, I think, Mel Gibson. Oh yeah, man! Like, um, I just just at the time going back to like first memories of this stuff. I mean, like when I was before I watched this, I was all into the Mad Max films as well. Like Mad Max Two, I used to watch that. I had that taped off TV. I used to. Love that film back in the day. So I've always been a massive, massive Mel Gibson fan. I tell you how much I like Mel Gibson as an actor. I don't care about his accent in Braveheart. I couldn't care less. Yeah. Ev, favorite aspect? Yeah, go, going off, going off Mel Gibson. Um, his hair, the most beautiful mullet I've ever seen, and and it, it, I think I think the only the only one that rivals it sort of nowadays is Hamish uh, Watson who plays, plays rugby for Scotland but it's like oh, it's, it's tremendous and even like even when it gets re- it gets really wet it's just like you know yeah but it's, it. it's almost it's, it looks feathered doesn't it it's like yeah. you know yeah, yeah. I maybe that's what he's doing in that uh, caravan he's got he's spending like two hours in front of a mirror yeah. slurping <laughs> a beer and doing his hair maybe that's why number four doesn't work as well as you know, he has a haircut for that one, doesn't oh, he? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's got short hair in that one. Maybe that's... Oh. Hey, that's a theory, that. Mel Gibson was short hair in a lethal weapon film. Doesn't mean good lethal weapon oh, film. He's like Samson. Yeah, well, the, well, yeah maybe he is. Full, full stop. Not just in lethal weapon, <laughs> but in any film. And no, he's got short hair in the Mad Max films. Uh, I like the fact that, it's, as, as you mentioned before, it's... It, it almost brings like every sort of bit part 80s, 80s action actor into one film that like you've got. Obviously, the guy who plays Endo from Die Hard. You've got um, Mendez, the uh, the, yeah. the bad guy oh. in uh, Red Heat. Yeah, um, Endo Ross, his name Endo is. Ross, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a guy that should have had, you should have seen more of. He does, he's a video game voice actor now. He does. Is he? It's a voice actor, loads of video games and stuff like Army oh. Interview and all that stuff. Yeah. I because uh, I really like him in that one scene he's got. Mm. He's great now. You're he's all like, the way to fucking Pluto, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the the guy um, Roger's friend, uh, the black guy. I, I, I don't I, I don't know if you catch his name, but he's in um, he's in License to Kill, the Bond film. As one of the DEA agents. Um, hang, on, hang on, no. Uh, when you say his friend, do you mean the other officer? In, yeah, before, the one the one that's in Die Hard. Oh yes, Agent Johnson. That's him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he makes fun of him for not having a beard. That guy, right? Yeah, that's yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Using yeah. um, using license to kill as well. Shane Black, the writer. That's the Predator guy, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Oh. And it took him six weeks to write this script. Yeah. And he earned oh. two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then got another hundred and fifty after it got produced. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there. And just drop in this little nugget of information. That officer we're on about, who played Johnson in Die Hard, his real name is Grand Bush. Nice. <laughs> nice. I mean, that's a strong name, isn't it? Grand. 
That's a good name, that. You can imagine he's he's going to like take up a, a career in certain uh, film industries. Yeah, I was going to say that, that that's surely a female um, porn star name. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, any other favorite aspects before we move on to favorite scene? It's a really weird. If you, when you watch it again, it's like quite oddly structured because uh, the first is an hour and fifty minutes long, right? and I do quite like. I love the film all the way through, but uh, the first hour I just like, but I just kind of. It does kind of take, it's quite a nice structure to it. It's, like, it's a nice little beat to it. You're just kind of hanging out with these two guys. It's a very simple, lean story as well. So uh, I just quite like going off Prog's thing, the buddy cop, but also the dialogue is really well written. It, it's yeah. funny. It's like, it's just got like this lovely little charm to it. But then when, when the, uh, obviously when they when they kidnap his daughter, I just like the, the film really does, uh, it cranks it up. and oh, It goes to 11 then, doesn't it? But I'm with you, Ad. Personally, I would have enjoyed, not to say I don't enjoy it, I do like the film, obviously, but I would have, I think I would have enjoyed it more if, the, if I'd just seen a couple more scenes of them hanging out, just because I like their chemistry so much. Mm. Like, they wouldn't have had to be doing any police work for me. I would have happily sat there for a couple of minutes each scene and watched them talking about stuff. Yeah, like, I like I love the scene when they're on the boat, and like, um, yeah. I, I love it about Mel Gibson just goes absolutely flat out steaming and just <laughs> drives off, but like, <laughs> But like, uh, but I quite like I I, I but I quite like that because it's the hypocrisy because his daughter's he's grounded his daughter for smoking a spliff or whatever. And yeah, that sort of moves me on to my favourite scene, and I, I got a couple, but the the one I I really like is the shooting range scene. I've got mm. that written down as well, but yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah, and me, yeah, because yeah, of the humour it brings, and um, and yeah, all of a sudden. Danny Glover's character, I think, sees a different side to to Riggs, and yeah, again, it's like I said, it's just the humour. It's uh, and, really yeah, good but one. you also get uh, the indication of how good a shot Riggs is. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's one nitpick I had about that film, right? They make out he's the best shot of all time in in that scene, but he doesn't hit. He doesn't make that many good shots ever again. I mean, I mean, he could have hit the helicopter a little bit. He could have hit. Well, um, I got an issue with that. He's got a handgun. The helicopter is however many hundreds of meters away, and he's just like firing like hell at it. The thing is, when he talks about that, another one of my favorite bits is when he's on about when he's when he talks about shooting the guy from a thousand yards in Laos. Now, obviously, you've got a high-powered rifle in. You've got someone with you to tell you about the wind gauge and all that. Mm. So he's got a certain apparatus to work with. So if he's shooting a handgun at a helicopter off the side of a cliff, you know, yeah. you're going you're gonna to imagine that the weather conditions are going to play a factor there. So maybe the bullets aren't going to do anything. I just think they could have just not have Gary Busey in the helicopter in that scene, because obviously you need him for later on, and just have the helicopter explode. That would have been <laughs> awesome. Like, <laughs> when I was watching last night, I was going to wish they... If I had, if I had been, if I had been Richard Donner, that's what I would have. Uh... <laughs> one <laughs> one bullet as well, and that yeah. helicopter just. Explodes. He shoot, he shoots once. Yeah. Well, you could have a hawk. You could have a hawk back to that. Remember, he says, you know, I'm a registered lethal weapon. You get the film. Yeah. You just have a shot of him saving himself. It would have been good as well if you could have had like, like the sh- like a slow slow motion shot of him shooting like it like Kevin Costner and Robin Hood Prince Thieves. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah. Well, with a camera just, on the bullet. Yeah, yeah. just shoots the guns. <laughs> yeah, maybe the helicopter guy going no as it comes towards him. It all, it all happening. I, I've got to. I'll just touch on my other favourite scene, um, and then obviously let you go. I quite like the little kids. No, yeah. no, where they go to meet the prostitute, and they're like, "You're gonna fuck Dixie, you're gonna fuck Dixie," and then they come out, and they interview them, and they like. Um, What's your name? Don't tell, don't, tell me your name, name. don't tell me your name, Alfred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a dad's army joke, that. Yeah, yeah. And they don't shout, you're going to fuck Dixie, you're going to bust Dixie. Uh, yeah. The version oh. I saw, that, I'm pretty sure, said no, fuck. But bust. Bust. Yeah. Oh, what? That's ruined it. It's not, it's yeah, not I one tell you what, but you are stinking, you are. You heard what you wanted to hear. <laughs> they're, only, they're only five, what's I mean? Well, that's what I thought. You know, well, <laughs> I, I, do, I do like that scene though. You've got the little kid with the Kanye son, and he's just like Albert, basically, and he's just yeah. <laughs> it's, it's cute in it. It's just like it's, they're adorable, man. Like they're like, 
they got a good it's a good little you could tell that was probably improvised as well don't tell them albert <laughs> go on then who else got a favorite scene we haven't mentioned my actual favourite scene, as much as I like the ones we've already spoken about, and I, I genuinely do like when Riggs tells the story about shooting a guy in Laos, because I like that he's almost standing behind the van when he's telling Murtaugh, because he's almost like, he's, he's almost poking his head out from behind the van as if he's willing to give a little bit of himself away. But uh, my actual favourite scene is Riggs and the Jumper. I've just, got, I've got issues just for one line, just for one line. And Adam's got it in his background. And he just says, do you really want to jump? Do you? Every Mel Gibson scene has to have the shouted, the shout like, like Ransom did. That's this film's one. <laughs> they all have to have it. How, I know, I know times, times have changed um, in, in terms of like viewpoints or whatever, but how, how bad do the police treat people with mental health issues in that time? Because obviously the broker's got, you know, he's, he, he's, he's wanting to commit suicide and whatever. But then literally, as soon as he jumps off and he's trying to get away from Riggs because he's scared of him, they just arrest him and then throw him in the, throw him in the car. I'm just like, what a poor bloke. <laughs> but I have a whole issue with the scene because how didn't he notice this massive inflatable oh, yeah. <laughs> being blown up underneath, <laughs> underneath Yeah. <laughs> I don't think about that. And I don't get me wrong, right? I know um, Riggs is there, sort of, I don't know, keeping his attention, but uh, no, it, it is a good scene. And I, I have that little yeah. nitpick about it, but it, it's a really good scene. I do quite like how unnecessarily, like, people are a little bit too gunny in the film as well. Like, when they go to that Coke dealer's house, and the guy's just like, that guy just has a death wish, man. I don't know why, what he was thinking, just blasted at two cops. And then when they arrested him, just start shooting at them again. I mean, I, I just think I just think about the head. What were you thinking, mate? Like, you would, you, you, there's no point. And how, like, but, uh, and how how loud are the gunshots in this film? Oh yeah, they, 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 oh, they must be the, the loudest gunshots in the history of cinema. Yeah. It's like it's like one one shot from from the Beretta. It's like a bloody cannon. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that '80s gun sound design, though. It's like. Yeah, it just, it just pops. But like quickly though, best scene in the film for me, I'm just gonna say is it, it is the it is the Gary Busey Mal Gibson fight at the end. That is like one of my favorite one to one fights in an eighties film. I, I absolutely love that. <laughs> I love that yeah, scene. It's a great, great scene now. Yeah. But uh, I have okay. an issue with the scene. And it's the scene itself is fine, but it's I have an issue with movie fight scenes when they're bare knuckle. And people are literally like hitting ten pounds of shit out of each other, and they just keep on going. Because in real life, one punch, chances are the other person is down. Well, especially when Mel Gibson puts his knee in Boosie's face. Yeah, but I, I also just love the fact that the cops are just this would never happen. The cops are just stood around being like, "Yeah, break his neck, kill him." It's like I, I love, uh, I love Gibson's mutterings as well when he's fighting him. He's always like, well, yeah. I, 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 another point that I've got, there's a lot of muttering in this film, full stop. And not, not necessarily the dialogue between people, but like people talking under their breath quite a lot. Yeah, um, weirdly, right? I realise that this film has a lot of ADR, like, which is like when they do the dialogue and the editing. Because uh, when you watch the film, with the, like I did with the headphones on last night, and you can just kind of hear the sound design in a different way. This just seems where, like, as they cut in, as they blend to the next scene, someone's just muttering absolute <laughs> drivel for no reason. You're like, what? <laughs> I just never realised, like, like the trail-offs of dialogue. I was like, oh, never noticed that before. Like, Mel Gibson will just be like, oh, you think she's... It just it happens all the time. <laughs> it's really weird. If you watch it with a pair of headphones on, you'll notice it, trust me. Any other favourite scenes? Uh, the neck break. That's awesome. That's an incredible scene. I think we talked about that already anyway. Uh, I think, uh, for me, it's all been covered by everyone else. Right, let's move on to some changes. I've mentioned a couple already, but they're not so much changes. They're more questions of why things have, have, have happened. And I've mentioned my issue with Riggs and Murtaugh at the very beginning, seeming over the top. Mm. But, I, but I, I get that. I, 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 I do get it. Um, 
the, one of the issues I have, and we've mentioned the scene already, the guy in the drug dealer's house or whatever, he shoots them. He goes down. He tries to shoot them again, deceived. You know, let's put it that way. And then he falls in the water. And then they dive in the water to try and save him. And they can't. And my, my biggest question there is, why didn't they just pull the plastic out? Rather than going in the water and trying to get in that way. And he dies quite quickly. I'll give him that much as well. Yeah. The scene would have been great if they were both stood outside the pool being like, I'm not jumping in. I don't, get, I don't want to get wet. And there like, was nets you get for the pool. They just both get your back out like that. Um, and then the other change that I've got, and I suppose this was my main change, because the rest of them, they're little nitpicks. They're fine. The, the film still works with them in there. I've got to say this. Is, I do think this is a brilliant film. But the chopper stopping the limo. Yeah. Mm. Right? That's the only issue. That's the one issue I have with, with that entire sequence, I suppose. That's the only issue you've got with that sequence. Well, <laughs> it's the only thing I picked up on. I'm going to come on to it. My, I've got a problem with the final third. Well, all right. Uh, come on to it in a bit. But basically what happens is the daughter escapes from the the gang, Gary Busey and his men or whatever, she she gets in a limo and she tries to drive away and is stopped by the helicopter. And I, I, I don't know. It just I just thought, surely you you can just drive. You know, and even if the helicopter's in front of you, you could just drive past it. There's more chance of the people in the helicopter getting killed. The only thing I thought about her driving the limo is that she's obviously panicked and she is quote in inverted commas typical woman scared in a movie where she's screaming her head off you know she's she's all over the place so when she's driving she's going to drive erratically isn't she so i the the limo sort of crashing as it were i didn't take much notice of but that's because i had other issues with the some of those scenes come on then. go into it Right, so they kill Riggs, yeah, or they believe they've killed Riggs, but instead of just killing Murdoch, they kidnap his daughter, and then say we're go- and then phone him and say we're going to meet you somewhere, because we want to check you haven't given away information about you know the heroin dump or whatever they or the cocaine deal that they're doing, the drug deal I'd say, right. Okay, so they've kidnapped the daughter. I don't understand that to begin with. When Murtaugh shows up, why don't they just kill him there? Because surely it's easier to just say, right, we'll kill Murtaugh and then we'll just change the day of the drug deal. But no, they don't, right? They find out Riggs is alive, even though they thought they killed him and they tried to kill him. So they take him prisoner again instead of just shooting him there and then. I don't. I. I just don't. With the with the baddies, I just find, I just found them inconsistent. And again, that's not to say I wasn't enjoying the film, but little things like that do, I do notice, and I, I do like I question why it's happening that way. Well, I know why it's happening that way because you can't have Riggs and Murdoch die. My only. The only way I can answer, and it's not a, it's not a story answer, it's sort of like a production answer. So because um, I, it's like I obviously I love Predator and Die Hard, and these are all Joel Silver films. But a, a common thing I've noticed with these Joel Silver productions from the eighties, like Commando and stuff, is that they kind of just made up a lot of the times. They would just kind of make the film up as they went along. So they would get a big production, like it famously did it with Die Hard there, and um, they would just kind of build the script as they made the film and shot it. So maybe it was just one of those things there where they were a bit like, oh fuck. Um, hopefully no one will notice it. <laughs> just you know, that's the only thing I could think of with that really. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just found this so inconsistent with the. I did think that myself, but I just kind of put it down to oh, it's, it's just an eighties trope in it. Like you know, it's just. Because let's be honest now, right? They shoot Briggs. Logically, think logically, right? If you look at it, they shoot Briggs. They think they've killed him. He's out of the picture. So they've only got Murtoch to worry about. So first things first, what they should do is just kill Murtoch, right? They've killed Riggs. Why are they worrying about Murtoch, whether he's alive or not? They should just kill him. They don't do that. Fine. They kidnap the daughter. So they get Murtoch to meet them up in the desert, right? 
as soon as they see Riggs, they should be putting a bullet in him. Yeah. Because to their mind, he's already dead. I don't even understand why, you know, if when you're watching the film, I know I know yeah. when I was what well, I know when I was younger and I first watched the film, I wasn't expecting them to capture Riggs. I thought, oh, this is a brilliant setup now. Riggs is going to pop them all off from from a thousand yards because they built that storyline up. Murdoch's going to get his daughter, and then maybe we're going to get a car chase or something like that's going to happen. That's what was going on in my head when I'm when I was younger. They, they, they are asking Riggs for information though, so maybe they're worried that Riggs has told the police <laughs> since they didn't care about that information when they shot him. I have an issue actually with the scene that we get shot. Did you find this a bit like? Unexpected. There's no build up to it or anything like that. It's just um he's walking down the street or whatever, bang shot. Well, to Adam's point, when he was talking about the script, I think the final third is a different film. They're definitely missing just some elements for me anyway. Hmm. And again, that's not to say I wasn't enjoying it. There's a lot of action, there's a lot going on, you know, there's some good stuff going on there, and you still got Riggs and Murtoch. You know, it's not. It isn't a. It isn't a the film. You still got those characters to enjoy, but the tone was different. I think. Now, this this brings me on to another point, which I didn't bring up before, but I was thinking about when I watched the film slightly. When Gary Busey shoots, um, what's his chops? Um, oh, Tom Atkins's character. Um, oh, Hansaka. Hansaka, yeah. Um, if he's such a great shot, and he's in the air for a bit longer, he could have just shot Danny Glover as well. That would have yeah. taken a lot of issues because he's in direct line of Danny Glover in that scene. He's got a pretty, he's got like a pretty high-powered sniper rifle there. If he's that good, if he's as good as Riggs, well, why isn't he shooting Riggs as well? One out of ten would not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined the entire film. I'm never watching it ever again. I've got another couple. I've got another oh. couple of picking nits if you don't mind. Oh, here we go. Riggs says a joke. Let's get the flock out of here. Worst joke in the history of mankind. I had Terrible to, joke. Oh. I, had, I had to pause the film. I was laughing so much. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's an amazing scene. Joshua escapes, right? Joshua escapes Riggs. Why doesn't he just leave the country? Why does he go to Murtaugh's? I just... and It's another element of the final third. I'm just not getting. One, one thing I did laugh at... That I didn't realise to begin with when I, previous times I watched it, but you're obviously paying more attention now because you're making notes and stuff. Do you know when Murtaugh go, first goes to see Hansaka and he tells him his daughter's dead? He's in the middle of a bank and he shouts at a police officer, just kill them. So everyone can hear. <laughs> it was the 80s, <laughs> you were saying kill people all the time. It was fine. So, yeah, that, those are the ones I wrote down. Ev? Yeah, I've got a few. Hold on. First off, the, f- the first scene was right at the start, the, when, when, she, when she throws herself off the building. She's, she's lying there, all, like, you know, all nice and happy, and she's, you know, she's, you're thinking that she's having a good time, she's having, relaxing, you know. Um, and then the, first, then the first thing she does, she pops up and is like, oh, yeah, I'll take, I'll take a line. And it's like, what? And then, and then all of a sudden, goes, oh yeah, I'll just you know throw throw myself off the building, and she's really happy about doing it. I'm just like, no, I think the point was she killed herself because they poisoned her. I think I I took I, t- I don't think it's actually yeah. said out loud, but I took it that she was aware that they had poisoned her, so she was like, uh, okay. Okay. Jump. but wouldn't it be better to just die from the poisoning? So when they do it, obviously they're just like. I don't know, me. would it? Would it? Well, yeah, because that's like saying, like, oh, they poisoned me. I better make a look like a suicide so they don't get in trouble. No, no, but, but then you could be thinking, I, I thought the other way, she's put so much coke up her nose that she doesn't feel anything. So jumping out the window isn't going to do it. You know, it's not. Also, the, uh, uh, all right, I'll take that one back. Um... No, it's not. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think, I think that's a valid criticism. I just read into the. Yeah. Oh no, no. Yeah. A bit more. That's all. I, um, I read it slightly different. That she, they didn't necessarily poison her. They just plied her with so much cocaine that she didn't have a Scooby what she was doing, 
No, they, yeah. it, there's definitely poison mentioned from her autopsy. Yeah. Ah, right, okay. Yeah. That, that's why it's classed as a murder and not a suicide. Murder, death, kill. <laughs> yeah. Next one. How can, when re- when it's at the funeral and obviously Riggs sees Fleet and me, uh, Joshua in the, in the helicopter, and then he sees him briefly when he drives by and shoots him. How can he identify him from, from the same, you know, that, that's the same person? He must have eyes like a bloody eagle. I don't think he knew Joshua was Joshua until he was getting electrocuted and Joshua was standing there electrocuting him with with uh, uh, No, he says after the um, after he gets shot, he says, "Oh, that's the same person that 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 was in the helicopter." Ah, uh, right. Uh, okay. Okay. Just like he has like superhuman vision. Um, the fi- the final third from from when um. I'd say the, the the club the club scene. I'd I don't mind. I quite like when they when they're walking when they're walking through the club and he, um just before he starts shooting everyone to run out. I, you know I don't mind that. It's, it's it's all right. But afterwards, why on earth would you would you actually drive a car through the front of your house? Why would you Why would you do it like? I know. Well, and, well, honestly. <laughs> Just, I, I can imagine Danny Glover being like Riggs. There must be another way to distract him. No, this is the only way. Yeah. I want to. I want to see. I want to see that conversation play out. Riggs is just on one in the car driving to Murdoch's yeah. house. He's like, "Yeah, what we'll do now? We'll put a, you know, a brick down on the on the accelerator, yeah. and we'll just drive it through your house." And he's like, "No, I don't think we should do that." You know, it's, yeah. uh, no, no, why don't we just ring the doorbell? Like, no, 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 no. We we, we need to use the cop yeah. car for this. It's uh, way more cool. I think in about an hour, I think there's an ulterior motive because if you if you look at if you look at the house earlier in the film, he's actually doing work in the kitchen, isn't he? He's doing like re- job, he's, he's doing renovate. No, no, no. This is the thing. No, no. He, he, it's an insurance job for him. The, the, yeah, the yeah, renovation yeah. work isn't going well. So you yeah. ah, two birds with one stone here. Car through the oh. front of the house. We we get some uh, new insurance money in. So what we're well, saying is, is that Murtock has actually suggested putting the car through the front of the house. Maybe, although I I, I did think initially that maybe he's had a couple of quotes off local builders, and he thought, "Well, I can shave a couple of hundred quid here by not get not paying them for labour and just demolishing the front of the house himself." Everyone's <laughs> everyone's a winner there. <laughs> anyway. So he's actually getting. Insurance money from damages to the house, but he's actually yeah. saving money with the builders by taking one of the walls out himself. Well, yeah. he is. He's saving a week's labour, isn't he? Doesn't have to. Doesn't have to do an RSG either. Saves on the steel. See, this is interesting stuff. No one else is talking about this. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, and that's why we have twenty listeners every week on our podcast. <laughs> They should have made number two about the uh, Ford investigation. People <laughs> I thought initially that's why the bomb was put under the toilet. Yeah. He's been like, I need to do the bathroom, Rigs. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, sorry, I got one more. I got one more. We, we touched on it earlier about the about the end fight. You know, they had they had Joshua bang the rights. You know, he, he he wasn't going anywhere. They could have arrested him, and then that would have been it, game over. But no, it's 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 just basically like, oh, let's let's have let's have a fight. It's like a schoolyard thing. Me and you outside at like three o'clock. You know, just like bloody hell. Um, yeah, but it's I I get where you're coming from. It wouldn't happen, but it it is yeah. in yeah in movie terms, it's an exciting it. ending. Is there's something else you need? Yeah. You need that scene. In, like I'm, I, I forgot to mention, this is my favorite moment scene. But I think Mel Gibson running down the road with a machine gun is the most pissed off run I've ever seen in a film in my life. And you need he needs to unleash that like fury mm. in, in that scene because I watched that scene in slow motion when he's running down the road uh, because it's just. This is so he's so he's fuming. He's just that angry, like. But uh, so I guess. You... But, he, but he's so angry that he doesn't have the common sense to think. Oh, I'll just like commandeer a car here. I've got a gun. I've got a gun. He's got an AK forty-seven or machine gun or something. Yeah. He's, pretty, he's pretty much running at forty miles an hour at that. He's, he's, oh. he's running on fumes, man. He's... I tell, I think he could have challenged Usain Bolt the way he was running down that um, right. Yeah. That's that's a great shot, though, isn't it? Like when I think a lethal weapon, that's one of the things I think of is him belting down the motorway, barefoot, chest out. Yeah, it's iconic. Uh, oh, that's the thing. He's not barefoot because if you because if you look continuity error there, 
he um when they're walking through the club and yeah. after he shoots everyone and just before they go out the front door he's got trainers on where do you get them Is from he? yeah ah well maybe he took Doesn't... them off end door he commandeered a pair of trainers but didn't commandeer no of course quick give me your trainers right so i've got a question for you guys it's your birthday you're at, you're relaxing in a nice hot bath how would you feel about your family bursting in and presenting you with a cake? Doesn't it happen in number two or number three as well? He has another birthday. I don't know. Because his wife comes in in the other film and puts like a little flannel yeah, over his... Um... Yeah, I think that's to do with his retirement, yeah. though. That's not to do with his birthday. Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, by the way, can I, just, can I just ask, how many kids does Murtar have, actually? Because Three. Because some scenes, there's like 20 kids in that house. And I'm no, like, it's the neighbours. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that. Because I've always... I have a slight um, query as well about his birthday. Because he's 50, isn't he? Mm-hmm. In this film. Yeah. But Danny Glover was 40 when they filmed it. Mm. So, <laughs> um, Ev will know. I don't know if um, um, Adam will know this, but... Me and Prague are 40 this year, or have turned 40 already. And I, and I just looked at that thinking, fuck, do I look the same age as Danny Glover? Well, I thought he looked too young for 50. I thought he looked too young for 50. I didn't know until you just said that, but he was 40. Because I was watching it going, Jesus Christ, he looks good for 50. Like, he looked too young. So, take that as you will. Because I, until you just said that, because I, I was thinking, God, Danny Glover must be 80 odd now when I was watching that. He must be like mid 80s, but he's not. He's. Seventy. Yeah, he's seventy-four yeah. now. He, he looks younger with the beard. Just... Well, pa- apparently, I think because of Lethal Weapon, he got typecast a little bit, as in he got sent roles that were older than than mm. him. So I think I believe that's part of the reason why he did Predator Two. Just quickly as well, because that, that was obviously an action role for also, him. Also, I can it? kind of see why they made him fifty, though. I mean, for him to have a an eldest daughter that age and be just 40 wouldn't like and to, and to have a career as a cop isn't she 17 or 18 yeah but to have a career as a cop as well you know he would have had to have had kids a bit later on I guess so you, you couldn't just be like it's my 40th today I guess maybe but mm-hmm, it's, maybe. Are, are any of you going to answer my what question what would I do if not? I was in the bathtub and all my family burst in I would have a cake I'd love it, mate. I'd be like, I'd be like, my family love me. I'm getting showered with cake by you. Nothing but happy wins. Right. Okay. Because you were, you were the one I thought wouldn't <laughs> like it. Because I know you'd it would be It would be very. Um, I, I got no issue with it. Like, because I got two little ones, and at that age, yeah, no, no issue at all. Maybe I'd feel differently with like teenage kids bursting in. Or if they imagine if they mm. drop the cake in the bath as well, and you have like wet cake all over you. Sorry. <laughs> That's a- that, that's like a Tuesday morning for me. Uh, like I'm in the shower in the morning and then my youngest just comes in, sits on the toilet and goes, why is this this? And she just has a full-blown conversation. I'm just like, give me privacy in the shower. Don't, yeah. Have you not got a lock on the bathroom, man? Don't. Yeah, but it, but it's just like with young kids, if they, if you can't lock the door because if they need the toilet, it, you know, then you have to go out the shower and unlock the door anyway. So it's just it's easier if you just oh, unlock the door. Oh, you 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 don't know. You you have no idea. Right, <laughs> come on. Let's start thinking about wrapping this up. Otherwise, we'd be here all bloody night. Um, so a couple of facts from me before we go into final recommend. Um, Leonard Nimoy was approached to direct Lethal Weapon, but he turned it down because of the film's violence and went on then to direct famous eighties film. Remember. Three men, little like Three baby. Men and a baby. Yep. I never knew Leonard Nimoy was slated to direct this. Yeah. Mm. Um, might have been a slightly different film, but um, hey. Um, he was coming off the back of Star Trek Four, wasn't he? Voyage Home, yeah, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I that's the way, That's the one with the wheel, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's a good film, that. Bruce Willis turned down the part of Riggs to star in Die Hard, while Mel Gibson good. turned down the part of John McClane. Starting Lethal Weapon. Perfect. They made the I got a question. I got a question for you now. You've just said that. Do you think either of them could have played the other role? Because I do. I think Mel Gibson could have played. Yeah. 
I don't think Bruce Willis could have played. I, I was Riggs. just about to say that. I don't think yeah. he has the same fr- frantic energy about him to play Riggs. Yeah, but I think if you put Mel Gibson in Die Hard, I think it's a slightly different character, but he could definitely have done it. Mm. Yeah, and I still think it would have been awesome. I think it would have been a better film. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. That's controversial. Mm. <laughs> right, a couple of other... Um, no, just one more, actually. So Willis, uh, Bruce Willis turned down the part of Riggs. Other people to turn down that part were Jeff Goldblum, Christopher Reeve, Patrick Swayze, Pierce Brosnan, and Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas is right. Patrick Swayze. You would have had the hair. Yeah, a couple of more roundhouses in it. Yeah. Or roadhouses in it, whatever they are. Roadhouse. Yeah. All right, final question we always ask. Would you recommend, Ev? I'm on the fence. What? Yeah. All right, we'll come back to you in a moment. Prog? Uh, Yeah, I would recommend. It's It's an enjoyable... 80s action flick for me and it's it's the two central leads are the reason why I do go back to it Ad? Oh yeah, essential viewing, it's like if you're going to get, if you're going to go to film school, you need to watch Lethal <laughs> Weapon like hands down if you, if, if, if I, to people listening to you if, you, if you're serious about getting into like film as a sort of like career, you need to watch Lethal Weapon um, it, I'm going to forget, forget Citizen Kane Essential doing, in my opinion. Um, for me, it's a yes. It it um, typical sort of eighties film, but a very very good eighties action film, I think. Uh, so let's go back to this fence you're on about, Ev. Oh, I'm going to get me caught now. I feel I feel <laughs> bad. I feel as if I'm offended. The podcast because people are entitled to their opinion. Um, I I just didn't generally think you'd you'd say I'm on the fence. I, no. Why are you on the fence, Sev? I was watching it last night, and I don't know why, but I, even though there's loads of loads of action and you know, um, you know, explosions and you know, violence and everything like that, it just it it just seemed a bit boring. Um, it I, I don't I don't know why. I'll probably I'll, I'll probably change my mind like in a couple of weeks when I watch it again. It's just it didn't. It didn't grip as like it did, you know, like one of the first times I watched it, and that that's for me while I'm on the fence. It's it just it just it, it's it there, there wasn't for me it, it it was just almost like a it just went along at a steady pace. There wasn't any like oh you you know like you weren't what you're saying is you weren't particularly excited while you were watching it. Well, not really, no. That's fine, yeah. man. It's your, you, and look, and again, you know. it's why we do the podcast so people come and give their yeah. view, and they, you know, that's yeah. not to say I, I, I that's not to say I didn't like the film. It's just it's I, I, I don't think I'd heart, I don't know if I'd heartily recommend it. Yeah. So for you, there's a, a lot better '80s films out there, or action films out. There. Oh yeah, the, without a doubt. Uh, I think we've we've mentioned yeah. two of them already tonight in Predator and Die Hard. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Anyway, let's wrap up. Um, thanks for listening. Podcasts come out every Wednesday. Thank you very much to Adam for coming on, uh, being the extra voice this evening. Um, yeah, po- podcasts come out every Wednesday. Check us out on social media and check out our YouTube channel. Cheers, all.